Wirebank Sucks listeners, this is James Baca, the host of the Wirebank Sucks podcast, inviting you to join us on Patreon. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Sucks. For as little as $1 a month, you can help support the podcast, which helps us pay the bills. Take care of our responsibilities and allows yours truly, James Baca, the ability to work full-time battling big banks with this patented version of Vigilante Customer Service. The Wire Bank Sucks podcast not only discusses what is wrong with big banks, but it also lends a hand to clients in need who are being taken advantage of by bigger banks such as Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, among others. For $1 a month, you can show your support in the battle for better bank service. We also have bonus podcasts and content along with merchandise at the $2, $5, $15, and $35 levels. And you also have the ability to donate what you think we are worth. PayPal is also accepted, but I prefer to show strength in numbers by going to patreon.com slash wirebanksucks to support this podcast. We would love to have you as a patron and love that you're allowing James to work full-time kicking the butts of big banks. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Wire Bank Sucks Podcast. My name is James Bach, and I'm here to tell you why your bank does in fact suck very much. It has been a whirlwind week here at Wire Bank Sucks. Our project, our podcast, our Twitter has blown up to a point that we have not seen yet. And we are really successful so far, guys. We have thousands upon thousands of downloads for every podcast. We've got so many people interacting with us on Twitter, at Bank Screwed Us. Um, but it did definitely blow up uh, this week because I had an inordinate amount of of um, followers over 150 in about a 36 hour span i had about 139,000 tweet impressions in a 24 hour period which by far is an all-time record i mean we do really well we usually get you know 20 to 25,000 a day just on normal tweets but um, one tweet that i did have um, whenever i tweeted at um, the hispanic caucus the group of democrats uh, in congress that um, had posted an article about Bank of America on there, and I chimed in because of my um, my personal thoughts about what the news story that they tweeted out was about and how I honestly was a part of that, and today's podcast is going to talk about that. Now, before anyone you know gets something up there, you know what, about why I'm talking about this Hispanic caucus, this group of Democrats, I am not a Democrat, I am not a Republican, I am an independent I vote Republican, I vote Democrat, I, I keep it right down the middle. If there's something that I like on the Republican side, I vote. If there's something that I like on the Democrat side, I vote. So this is not going to be a partisan discussion. The simple fact that the Hispanic Caucus was the one that tweeted this out was the reason I chimed in. I didn't chime in for any political beliefs. I My only belief is helping people uh, with their banking needs, and Bank of America does not do that with this particular article that they um, posted about the freezing of accounts for, um, and it does say undocumented immigrants on there, but it's for everyone. It's it's for white people too. So I really want to get into that, what's going on with the freezing of the accounts, because it's more to it than, oh, you know, someone's from Mexico, so they froze their account. No, it goes beyond that, my friends. But needless to say, I, I posted a tweet just offering my my help. So I'll gladly talk to you about this because I'm, I'm not beholden to a bank. I'm not beholden to a political party. I want to tell people what I felt was horribly wrong working at Bank of America. And I have a lot to talk about with this subject because it happened to me personally. It happened to a lot of people that I cared about in my particular financial center um, 
a lot. It happened very often, and it is gross. It is disgusting how um, certain people were treated within Bank of America's four walls while I was a banker there. It, it, it stressed me out. It really bugged me. And I want to share that. And funny enough, that's one of the bigger stories that I have to tell with the books that I'm writing and the, the tweets that I do and the podcasts that I do that I really want to talk about it some more, you know. And um, at Bank Screwed Us on Twitter, my project's homepage just literally blew up 139,000 tweet impressions. We had, you know, almost 200 follows just in that short time frame. Uh, 5,671 profile visits and uh, 1,235 mentions. I, I have never had my phone blow up so big in one day. And even when I was a popular college person, <laughs> no, I just kid, I was never that popular. So my phone never blew up like that. But I was really proud. I was really proud that I was able to have an audience of six figures to be able to talk about these things because I really do intend on talking about it in public. I really intend on writing a book about it. And I really intend on uh, making this my passion project. It's not just about Hispanic people, folks. I am Hispanic. I am 30 miles from Mexico. You know, I am an American. I, I, I've been to Mexico like five times in my life, and that was just more out of pleasure, not family, because I don't have any known family there. Um, but I got to tell you, it's it's really hitting close to home um, because I really feel that the bank is just wanting to get rid of people who don't have money. And I grew up without money. I don't have money now. There was a point in time I had money working at Bank of America, and I really feel that they are trying to eliminate that clientele from their branch, and they're doing it in such a cold and callous way that, honestly, you can see racism in that. And I'll get into why parts of it are and parts of it aren't. Um, you know, on the next segment on here, but I also have another uh, topic at the end of this. We're just going to talk about the elimination of ShopSafe. Literally, the best feature that Bank of America has on their credit card is going away. And um, so many people are up in arms about it. They are literally making cards less safe. I'll get into that as well, but we have a lot to talk about. So no promises on the time because the, the main topic is going to be a heavy one. It is something that has brought a lot of attention to Wirebank Sucks and at Bank Screwed Us on Twitter. And I fully intend to not pump the brakes. Oh no, I'm hitting the gas and we're going to make this... Um, a very big topic in our little project here so after this brief promotional consideration I will talk to you about it some more so please 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 stick around my name is James Baca the host of the wire bank sucks podcast the wire bank sucks podcast is looking for enthusiastic and excellent sponsors for the show join us on our revolutionary podcast where we discuss things that make banking clients think and act decisively Yours truly, James Baca, a 13-year veteran of retail banking and sales, can help your business shine through with an effective partnership with my podcast. We have, on average, as of June 2019, 8,000 listeners per episode and growing from all walks of life, a burgeoning follower base on Twitter and Instagram, along with nearly half a million Twitter impressions regularly. Get your business promoted on the most unique podcast out there, Wire Bank Sucks. For more information on sponsorship opportunities, Follow Bank Screwed Us on Twitter and direct message. Email james at wirebanksucks.com or please call our voicemail line at area code 575-322-4127. We're looking for the best. We're looking for the greatest. We're looking to help grow your business and we're looking to help grow our podcast. Let's make it happen, guys. Wirebank Sucks looking for sponsorship opportunities. Please call today.
All right, we are back. So as I mentioned, it was a really big week in Wire Bank Sucks um, headquarters here because of a tweet that I had posted on the Congressional Hispanic Caucus's uh, tweet about something that was going on with Bank of America and freezing of accounts. And I got to tell you, you know, I, I read the article and it's something that just really hit close to home, just mainly because, I mean, I was a banker and I did see this in action, but I didn't know what it was while I was a banker there. Now, whenever they say that Bank of America is freezing accounts, it's not someone in the branch doing it. So, you know, if you go into a bank and you're saying, hey, why are you guys freezing accounts in this branch? No, it is some department somewhere that I probably have interacted with over the phone. But they are so detached from the Bank of America branches that they literally surprise even us with what they do. And we are the face of the bank that is screwing over a lot of people, basically. So it was really, really hard to deal with this um, whenever it was there the last two years I was there. Um, as I mentioned many times before, I left August of 2018. I was fired. And um, there was a lot of reasons for my firing. One of them was something that I own, and it was my mistake. But at the same time, there was other underlying circumstances that led to my termination there. And it's something that um, I no longer have a beef with because I really do believe my calling is helping people out in need here. And... Um, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, which is all Democrats, in full disclosure, if it was all Republicans posting this same thing about Bank of America, I would gladly comment on that, too. It doesn't matter uh, what letter is by the side of their names. It is something I believe in because of banks, not necessarily because I'm Hispanic or I'm a Democrat, because I'm, I'm Hispanic, but I'm not a Democrat. I am an independent. So um, the name of the story on the Sacramento Bee's um, webpage is Bank of America Freezing Accounts of Customers Suspected of Not Being United States Citizens. And, you know, it talks about this gentleman by the name of Saeed. And he says he woke up earlier this month to discover the strangest thing. Though he had plenty of money in his account, he couldn't access it. An Iranian getting a Ph.D. in physics at the University of Miami, he used the account for everyday transactions. All he had to do is maintain an account with a show proof of legal residency every six months. Now, I've done a podcast before about Iranians and how they get um, burned, screwed over by Bank of America. They get treated like second-class citizens, and it's really, really disgusting. And, um, you know, there's a whole there's a whole discussion about that in a, in a previous podcast. But the reason why the Hispanic Caucus, you know, tweeted about this was because it impacts Mexican-Americans, too. So Saeed went to his local branch near South Miami and he was told the documentation he had provided could not be accepted. It was accepted when he opened the account, but it wasn't accepted afterwards. That means someone was doing some snooping on who opened the accounts. And it's that risk department of Bank of America. They're always looking for a way to get out of an agreement, uh, an account for someone that they don't want. Bank officials insisted he produce a different form. The bank was wrong, he maintains, because the form he had supplied with was the correct one based on his current status as a student nearing graduation. Without knowing what's um, this gentleman's specific um, studies course of action, I do know they're referring to an I-20 form. It's a form that if you're an international student, you know well. It says what country you're from, why you're going to this school, when you're starting, and when you're expected to graduate, and when you're expected to leave. What happened with a lot of these Iranian uh, documents was they would expire. So let's just say they expire May 1st or something like that. And, you know, the graduation for the University of Texas is May 31st. 
I mean, are they going to deport you for staying 30 days while you finish your studies? No, they're not going to. The Bank of America sees fit that they have to be above even the federal government in allowing them um, the ability to scrutinize this gentleman's documents, not even knowing the rules behind the scenes. Meaning that when May 2nd rolls around, all of a sudden, his document's no longer valid at the bank, and it sets off some red flag, and he gets a threatening letter. And maybe he signed up for paperless statements and paperless documents, so he never checks his mailbox, quote-unquote, with um, his online banking. So he doesn't get it in, in, the, in the mail, and he doesn't ignore the calls to go in to go take his updated IDs or discuss what's going on. And a couple of weeks later, his account's frozen, and he can't pay the bills. If he has a family, he can't feed them. If he has a wife, she can't use the car to buy their kids if they have them anything. They're literally stuck, okay? And um, Saeed says on here, this bank doesn't know how the immigration system works, so they didn't accept my document. I know damn well they don't know how the immigration system works. I learned. I taught myself. My wife is in academia. I know about these things because I am familiar just with the process of getting into school. I was a college student myself. I wasn't from another country. but And, and I guess I want to dovetail here. This isn't about illegal immigration, this Sacramento Bee story. This is a legitimate student who came here for a legitimate purpose. Whether or not you want him in the country is irrelevant because... His goal was, hey, my country is helping me get to school in the United States, and I have this document that says I'm allowed to be here, and it actually says when I'm supposed to get the hell out of here. So if he has a document that says when he's supposed to get the hell out of here, you know what? That's basically saying, hey, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to go and try to do this the legal way. So, you know, a lot of people were twisting it, saying, hey, it's illegal immigrants or whatever. It's not. It's people who were meant to be here, who asked to be here, and went through the process, who went through the process. So, you know, it's it, it's very unique to me because I dealt with Iranian people. And, of course, being so close to the border, I dealt with Mexican customers as well. And the Sacramento Bee article says, His case isn't unique. In recent months, Bank of America has been accused of freezing or threatening to freeze customers' accounts after asking about their legal status in the United States. In July, the Washington Post reported that multiple customers had been locked out of their accounts after Bank of America questioned whether the account holders were U.S. citizens or dual citizens. Now, you know, to anyone who is not pro-immigration, this question is being asked to you guys too. And I really believe, and this is going to be my first, you know, bombshell here. You know, Bank of America's freezing accounts for immigrants. Yeah, they are. But you know what? They're freezing the accounts for you too. People who don't believe in, um, you know, who aren't pro-immigration, who are anti, hey, you know, get out of my country type of thing. This is what you don't understand. And I'm going to use a, a horrible analogy that maybe 10% of the people will understand. But... I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with gambling on football. So let's just say the Dallas Cowboys are a seven-point favorite to beat the 49ers. You know, the people who make up these betting these betting lines in order for people to bet, like in Vegas or something, um, they don't just magically pull them out of there, you know what. This is based on, on, on data. It's based on information. They say, well, what's the number we can put it at where people will bet on the Cowboys and then people will bet on their um, opponent. So they have to put the number just perfectly. That way they can get both sides. So what Bank of America does with this dual citizenship, this um, asking the questions about are you a U.S. citizen or not, and do you hold a citizenship in another country, they're asking it of everyone. 
And here's the thing. A lot of the times whenever, you know, Mexican-Americans get this document, a lot of them are um, proficient more in Spanish than in English. They'll get the document in English and they won't know what it is. They don't know what it says. And they will put it aside, not saying it's important. A person who is only English speaking, who's a Caucasian person, let's just you know use that, who gets this letter and says, we need to ask you what your citizenship is. Please go to your nearest bank. You're going to get two types of people who are going to get screwed by the bank here. You're going to get the person who doesn't speak proficient enough English, who doesn't read English, who doesn't pay attention to that and gets their account frozen. And, and mainly it's because the bank didn't do anything to help that person out. They opened the account in Spanish, but they're not sending documentation in Spanish. So this person's um, information lapses with the bank. They don't answer the questions and they get their accounts frozen. They get screwed. Now for the person that's the American citizen, what happens is, and you know, typically they're leaning a certain way politically. Like I said, no judgments. I don't have any judgments whatsoever. By all means, vote vote who you want to vote for. They get this, hey, are you a citizen? And if and if you aren't, uh, what other country do you hold citizenship? And these people, I grew up with people, cowboy types, you know, people from, you know, flyover states, the red states. They'll say, what in the hell is this crap? What kind of what kind of bank are you running? I'm an American. I'm from America, and you're telling me that I'm a citizen from another country. This is BS. I want to close my account out. You guys have been doing this for too long. It's ridiculous. How dare you question my citizenship? You get those people. You get those people. Those 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 people who you know who we're talking about. And Bank of America is actually doing a cleansing of the lower income and middle income people. The people who get offended by that question being asked of them, whether they're white or Hispanic. Because the dual citizenship question is asked to everyone. And I think they ask it to everyone because, hey, they don't want to be accused of racism, right? But in fact, it is racism. But at the same time, they're actually offending, you know, Caucasian people, English-speaking people, people who are quote-unquote Americans according to their beliefs. And, and, and the crazy thing about that, the crazy thing about that is, of course, yeah, the reporting is going to be, hey, you know, Hispanic people are the only ones being affected. No, this podcast is telling you, this banker, this former banker of Bank of America is telling you, that question was made to call the herd. That question was made to, to piss off people from, you know, from the United States, born and bred, that says, how dare you question me? And then it's to intimidate Mexican-Americans and say, hey... Um, we need to know your citizenship status. You need to bring your IDs. You need to bring your documents. Otherwise, we're going to close your account out. And it sounds threatening. When you read those letters, it sounds very curt. It sounds very harsh. So those people are going to just forget about it. And there's people who will just leave their money. They'll just never go to the bank because they're afraid that you know immigration is going to be called to them or the cops are going to be called to them. That's how sternly the letter is worded. So a lot of people just decide, yeah, I guess I guess I'm not going to have an account anymore. There's 2000 in there. Well, I guess I'm not going to have that. It's Bank of America's way of eliminating the people that they don't want to help. The one thing that I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, from the people in Las Cruces, New Mexico, a place that I have lived for 11 years, a place that I love, a place that I enjoy being, um, they, they really don't want the minimum balance $25 to open up the checking account type of customer. And maybe they speak primarily Spanish. Maybe they work as a, a mechanic and some, you know, mom and pop auto repair shop. And maybe his boss pays him by check. 
and maybe you know although he doesn't speak english you know he does speak enough to be able to work in a place like that and make a decent living bank of america doesn't want that person standing in line Bank of America doesn't want to um, have this guy have an account that's not going to bring them direct deposit. That's not going to bring them any long-term heavy balances for savings, for instance. That's probably not going to bring them any credit when I'm talking credit cards or any auto loans or home loans. So to that, to Bank of America, that Hispanic man who doesn't speak English, who has a 9 to 5 and a rinky-dink mom-and-pop you know, auto repair store, and he gets paid by check once a week without direct deposit and he's not going to use online banking or barely use the ATM. He sure as hell isn't going to use mobile or Zelle, evil Zelle. <laughs> Bank of America doesn't want that customer. So you damn right better believe that, hey, they're just throwing this out there saying, hey, you got to answer this question or we're going to close out your account. By all means, it's racist. It, it, re it really is because they'll say that they did it and they'll say that that person didn't answer it and that person's account will be frozen and if he has all of his money in there, He's not going to be able to use it, and he's not going to be able to bank there ever again. Now, for the Caucasian man, similar similar age, similar type of thing. He works at a little mom-and-pop auto repair store, speaks perfect English. He's an American. You know, he came from Missouri. His family owned a ranch, and, you know, he's proud American. You know, he salutes the flag, puts his, you know, takes his hat off whenever the, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance Star Spangled Banner are being played. And he really loves his country and he really loves his bank because it signifies America. It's Bank of America. He's going to get that letter from Bank of America and, you know, he doesn't have direct deposit. He doesn't have a large balance. He doesn't use online banking because he barely has a flip phone. And Bank of America doesn't want him either. And how are they going to get rid of him? Not by asking a racist question, because he won't see it as a racist question. He'll see the are you a dual citizenship, citizenship thing as um, you're questioning my patriotism. You're questioning that I'm an American. This is BS. I can't believe you're doing that. What in the hell? And what they're doing is they're poking the bear. They're poking the bear at all the things that they're against. Whether you're against it or for it, this is not the topic for debate. Because we're talking about someone who is from America at this point. And they, they, get, they get poked. And they're saying, why are you questioning my citizenship? I'm closing this account out. I can't believe you guys are asking me such questions. They're invasive and it's stupid. Can't you tell I'm American? That's the way people think. And I grew up around that. I grew up around white people saying they didn't like Hispanic people. And guess what? They still talk to me. You know, it's fine. I, I grew up with that. I've accepted racism. I've accepted that and, you know, stereotypes and whatnot. Honestly, it's not okay. But I've grown up with it. And I've learned to live with it as part of being a Hispanic person. So that person being offended by Bank of America asking that question, you damn right they're going to be offended by it. Because you know why? Because all of a sudden, you're lumping them in with the people that they don't know that well. And all of a sudden, you've created this, this little internal storm in their head saying, screw Bank of America, I'm never going there. And Bank of America's happy. This guy's a pain. He stands in line to cash a paycheck. He never puts anything in his account which the bank can lend. He never uses the products that um, that they're pushing so they can eliminate the banking center so he doesn't stand in line. He is what my old boss used to call a clogger customer. And to, to Bank of America, Hispanic people who work blue-collar jobs who get paid paper checks are cloggers. They're people that clog 
just the pipes of the efficiency of the sales plea that Bank of America has. So yes, there is there is some um, discrimination involved in that, but they do it to everyone to be fair to Bank of America, but that still doesn't make it freaking right, okay? So it, it's it's amazing how a lot of people are seeing this and seeing it in different ways. And of course, you know, there's a part of this article that says, Kansas-born Josh Collins, I mean, doesn't get more American than that, received an unusual-looking letter purportedly from the bank asking about his citizenship status. He said he thought the mailer was spam and he ignored it, only to have his account frozen a few weeks later. After Collins' story was first reported locally, he and his wife received messages from others who had been locked out of their accounts for weeks. David Lewis said he received the same suspicious-looking letter as Collins, and he's from Tennessee. In an interview with the Miami Herald, he said that he had maintained an account with Bank of America for about 30 years. In the letter, the bank inquired about his citizenship, income, and social security number. When he called Bank of America, he was told his account would be frozen if he did not fill out those forms. That phone conversation led to him to cancel his account. One would think a national bank would be careful about looking stupid after Wells Fargo, he said, referring to Wells having been accused of creating millions of authorized accounts. So, a couple things there. He was a Bank of America customer for 30 years, and I have said this on Twitter. Bank of America changed their computer systems like five different times in the times that I was there. So, what happened, every time they would move computer systems, data would be lost. So, if my social security number is 123456789, and it goes from Merlin Teller, which was a platform for tellers, to Interact, which was a new system that Bank of America had, that information would be gone. My date of birth would be gone. My social security number probably gone. My driver's license didn't map over so they don't have a way of identifying me and just cross-checking my information to make sure I'm not committing account fraud somewhere else at another bank. So what happened to David on here was actually something more technical. He was being asked the questions, which he would have been asked the whole citizenship thing. Then I'm sure that would have pissed him off the same way. But everything else that he mentioned about income and social security number and all that good stuff, that's something that the bank made a mistake. But at the same time, if he's been in a customer for 30 years, it's the same thing. Bank of America does not want him. Bank of America does not want him to bank there anymore because he's been there 30 years. And what's he going to do? He's not going to buy a house. He already bought a house. He's retired. He's probably not going to make a lot of money, so he's just going to be here. And he doesn't use online banking, and he likes to write checks. He's everything the Bank of America hates. So he he knows, Bank of America knows, excuse me, that sending him this information. And yeah, they're not just picking on one person. They're sending it to millions of people. But they know sending that out is probably going to trigger him to leave, which is what they want, especially whenever he's in Tennessee. I have a, a follower of mine that I've talked to who's actually become a pretty good friend. And he said Bank of America closed a few branches out in Tennessee and the nearest Bank of America is two hours away. I mean, that tells you that rural Tennessee is you know, pretty much the same as rural New Mexico where there's not a lot of new accounts, not a lot of new people, and Bank of America just doesn't want to be there. So that's one of Bank of America's ways of getting rid of people. And then the Bank of America spokesperson says she cannot comment on specific cases. Of course she can't. But she said there's no change in how Bank of America collects information for customers, including citizenship, in at least a decade. That is 100% true. Although that letter about the dual citizenship, that's new. That's only been around for two years. So, you know, it's it's kind of hard whenever you read this article and you see that the Congressional um, Caucus tweeted it out. A lot of the stories, the first two stories, were not any anything about Hispanics, funny enough. But Hispanics get the brunt of it because of the language barrier. 
and the fact that whenever they get a letter, much like that Josh Collins, they think that it's junk. They don't think it's important. They think that it's a mistake, and they only find out that it's not a mistake when their account gets totally closed out. So, you know, is it discrimination? Yes, but there's another layer of discrimination, and it goes to what a lot of people are talking about. There's a lot of presidential candidates on that side of the debate Um can tell you one thing that there's so many people that don't have bank accounts okay eight million eight million families are unbanked eight million families do not have a primary checking account from any bank whether it's small or big and this is bank of america's way of kind of getting rid of more of those people and unbanking them because what they're trying to do is they're just trying to kind of lighten the load they want to focus all their resources on people that make them a lot of money you know, if Bank of America is lending $10,000 of your money to someone else at a 2.65% interest rate, and they're paying you 0.03 on that, guess who's making money off your money just sitting there? Bank of America is not you. So whenever you have a checking account that has a $25 minimum deposit, and you have a savings account that you start with $25, but you know, you got to buy diapers for the baby, you got to buy food for the kids, and you take out that 25 from savings, how much do they make 2.65% of zero? They make zero. And Bank of America sees that person as, oh, I have to treat this person the same as that person with $10,000. And they want to get rid of it. So to the people who see this and who listen to me on my podcast and they wonder, hey, well, which side of the debate that you know is James on? I'm not on any side of the debate. I'm on a debate for you to help you with your banking for you to be treated right. Because here's the thing, okay? So here's the thing with it. This is a way of getting rid of the people that they don't want to bank there. Low balance people, people with no direct deposit, people who have no desire to do online banking, people who stand in the line that make them have to hire more staff. That's what it's about. It's about finding a way to piss off those people to get get them out of the bank. And I know this because I've had people do that to me whenever I was a banker there. They said, I can't believe you guys are doing this. I'm, I have to move on. It's the principle of it. I'm sorry. And this was two years ago. You know, this was when I was still employed at Bank of America. You know, and it's really frustrating because it's not about the flag that you grew up under. It's about the money that you have in your pocket. And Bank of America wants to deal with preferred customers. I've said it before, Bank of America's preferred customer tag, um, meaning that you get um, a boost in your savings from 0.03 to 0.04%, and you get... um, one free withdrawal per month at the ATM whenever it's not a Bank of America one. Oh my God, one, one per month. Oh, stop me now. That's not there for the benefit of the customer. I've always said preferred rewards is a painted on target to identify the people that they shouldn't screw with, the people that the bank wants to keep. So whenever someone is signed up for, because I had a goal for preferred rewards, and anytime I had someone with a balance of 20000 I had to sell them on preferred rewards. There was a button to enroll them. It was literally two buttons I had to click. I had to ask for their phone number and then enrolled them. Bank of America had a goal for me about how many preferred that I had to enroll. And they knew how many people that I helped that were preferred. And they would just badger the hell out of me on those preferred people that I did not get. And why? Because they want me to paint this big bullseye on their butt to say, hey, these are the people um, to target for more sales, to oversell them. Yes, we oversold the rich people. 
And it's also a target to say, hey, don't mess with those people. Whenever they have an overdraft fee, you fix it. Whenever they have a problem with a stop payment on a check, you fix it. But those people who aren't preferred, that just say regular customer on, on Bank of America's system, and does say regular customer, by the way, um, you don't help them. You decline to, to waive any fees. You don't, you know, push a credit card for them. You don't talk to them about the benefits of home ownership. Because Bank of America just said that they're not worth anything. And to Bank of America, the Hispanic population is not worth much because, honestly, most of them are in poverty. I grew up in poverty. There's no, it's no big secret here. So Bank of America just decides, yeah, we're not going to help these people. And and it becomes a thing where it does feel like discrimination. And it is. It is. You know, I, I've, I've rarely seen a Hispanic millionaire in my little circle of both bank branches that I worked at, to be quite honest with you. A paper millionaire, someone who actually has a million dollars in their bank account is very rare in this area. You know, Native Americans, probably the same thing. African Americans, same thing. And and it's it's sad. It's a sad state of affairs. But Bank of America wants to move on from those people. And they want to, they want people who have at least X amount of dollars, twenty thousand is the number, and they have good credit, so you're able to sell them on the cash rewards credit card and a thirty year home loan and a five year auto loan. That's what Bank of America is doing. People who rent, people who live paycheck to paycheck, who have no discernible savings whatsoever to save up for a house, much less save up an extra month of rent. Those are people that Bank of America doesn't want. So these letters were kind of meant as a weapon by Bank of America to do that. Now, the after effects of the weapon are horrible. You know, it talks about in this article... You know, accounts frozen, unable to use your card. It's more than just, hey, my account's frozen. Whenever they freeze your account, your card automatically closes. So whenever they go, oh, it's our mistake. You're a citizen, all right? And thank you for answering that question. I know you didn't want to answer that dual citizenship question, but I'm glad you answered it. We reactivated your account. Oh, but it's actually not going to fully reactivate for 24 hours. And um, the debit card that you have, it's no longer active because your account was frozen. Your debit card closed out. And I don't have any temporary cards. So we're going to mail you a card, and you should receive that in about five to seven business days, sir. Thank you so much for banking with Bank of America, and you have yourself a great day. I said that BS. I said that crap as a banker. And it made me sick to my stomach because Bank of America literally just told this person, hey... We made a mistake, but we're going to open your account, but not until tomorrow. And um, cards, yeah, we don't have any, so you're going to have to wait a week for it. So even though they, they fixed it, quote-unquote Bank of America, these people still have to wait another freaking week for their money. And it's gross. It's not the battle against Hispanic people because, you know, I did a whole podcast about Iranians. And, yeah, they pick on Iranians more than any other group. And Hispanic people they pick on as well. But it's more of a class thing, okay? It really is. It's a battle um, against the poor. And Bank of America closed my location that was one mile away from a homeless shelter. One mile away from houses that have been there 70 years that are owned by 80-year-old ladies who make $600 a month in Social Security. Those people aren't going to buy a new house. Those people aren't going to have $10,000 to save for a money market savings account. And that's the reality of this whole thing. So, you know, whenever the Congressional Hispanic Caucus actually tweets about this and they get thousands of people they get 4,700 likes 4,500 retweets I'm sure they had over 5 million impressions on that tweet and 946 comments including the three that I left on there that's a very viral thing and 
you know, their tweet about it, and it doesn't mention Hispanics. It just says, this is alarming. Bank of America is freezing accounts of customers and questioning their immigration status. This can be terrifying for families who can who suddenly cannot access their money to pay the bills, buy groceries, or cover rent. They did not say Hispanic in that at all. They didn't say Mexicans. They're the Hispanic caucus that tweeted it, but you know what? They're Americans too, and they're seeing that Americans, including that Josh and that guy from Tennessee, Caucasian Americans, they're they're fighting for you guys too because it is a battle of the classes here. Bank of America made $28.1 billion last year. They're making nearly $30 billion this year. They're worth $250 billion conservatively. They don't want your BS $100 account. They don't want your BS $25 savings account and your Chicago Cubs debit card. And, um, you know, they don't want your checkbook. They don't want you to stand in line. They don't even want you to freaking be there. So everything is built around poking the bear, poking the bear, playing, playing to their weaknesses and saying, hey, you know what? We're going to ask you, are you a citizen? They ask everyone that. And the people who are really well off, they won't, you know, if they don't answer that, they're not going to freeze their account. The people who aren't preferred customers, absolutely not. Their account will be frozen. They'll be sitting in a branch. They'll be on the phone for three hours. They'll take a day off of work losing money because they're having to deal with this crap. And they're going to be more broke because Bank of America did that. And then what's Bank of America going to do when they unfreeze the account? It's going to be one of these because I, I, I've done this a lot working here. 13 years of Bank of America. You hear my voice just perfectly right here. This is my normal voice. Listen to my bank voice. Mr. Gonzalez, I am so sorry about what happened with that. Bank of America offers its sincere apologies. But tell you what, we're going to make this right. I'm going to escalate this to my manager. And we're going to make sure that this never happens again here at Bank of America. So you, my, from the bottom of my heart, my sincerest apologies to you, sir. We're going to make this right for the rest of our customers. I really value you being a customer. and Sir, you have a great day. Have a great weekend. Do I sound fake? Yeah, that was me. I was fake with every customer. Let me answer the phone. Thank you for calling Bank of America. My name is James. How can I provide you with excellent service today? That's not me. This is me. Hello? Hey. Hey, what's up? That, that's me. That's my normal voice. That fakeness that Bank of America has saying, oh, well, we're sorry, and every situation is different. It's, it's a lie. Bank of America is terrorizing people where they can't pay their bills buy groceries or cover rent overdrafts happen they'll refuse to waive the overdraft fees and people are stuck in this vicious cycle i've met people okay there was a girl that i used to talk to and there's an old lady that i used to talk to both of them had the same crap they were always 500 dollars overdrawn they would get paid they would be at zero after they got paid and they would take out 500 dollars out of the atm overdrafting their account that same 500 they're never going to get out of that. I promise you, if they still bank there, they're still in that right now. I haven't talked to them because, one, I don't want to talk to you. And the second one, I don't know if she's still living, to be quite honest with you. Um, I don't know. And I bet you they're still doing that. And they're still getting hit with that $35 fee. And to them, it's a stupid tax. It's, I can't believe I messed up. It's my fault. No, it's Bank of America's fault for putting you at risk like that. So to the Hispanic caucus, I saw so many, you know, tweets about, oh, you're only doing this for the illegal immigrants or whatever. It's not about that. It is about the war on the poor. 
8 million people unbanked, 8 million people without a bank account who have to pay fees to cash checks, who buy those stupid prepaid cards at Walgreens or Walmart who have to spend $5 to load them up. How ridiculous is that? And they get charged 50 cents for checking their balance. It's it's real. It's real life. And I got to tell you guys, this is something that's big. And I, I do intend on making Wire Bang Sucks my whole platform, my project about these people who are disenfranchised. Zell is another one. And I don't want to talk about Zell right now. I'm tired of their crap. I had mentioned that I had trespassed on their headquarters a few days ago, and you know what? I'm done talking about them for a while. There's there's some stuff there, but we'll have another podcast for that. Zal is another one, though, where it's impacting the, the, the less well-off, I'll say. So to the Hispanic caucus from the bottom of my heart, and there is a, my congresswoman that is part of that, so I really thank her for that. And funny enough, um, my congresswoman has a staffer that I worked with at Bank of America, so she knows. And she wasn't a seller, but I can definitely tell you that I do intend on talking to them if, if they want to talk to me. And I do intend on bringing this um, to the forefront. I want to go to Washington. I want to go to Charlotte. I want to go to San Francisco where Wells Fargo is. I want to talk about this impact that it's having on people who I grew up around. People who literally are paycheck to paycheck, who spend $5 to cash their check at the check cashing place because no bank wants them. That is that is the, the long and short of it, my friends. And I got to tell you. Um, seeing how viral my tweets went, and I do a good job. I work really hard at my stuff. To see how viral they went tells me that there's a lot of people that feel this way too. And we got to get out of this, oh, it's only about Hispanics. Oh, it's only about Mexican-Americans. Oh, it's only about this and that. It's about Americans. It's about everyone. It's about anyone who has our time paying the bills, okay? So don't ever for one second think that I'm just pinpointing it on someone. It's the it's the group that tweeted about it, but you know what? They were trying to help those people in Kansas and Tennessee out. So I'll tell you this to the Hispanic Caucus. If anyone of you is listening to this podcast, James at wirebanksucks.com. You can leave a voicemail, 575-322-4127. I want to talk to you. I want to be debriefed. You know, debrief me, spend 10 hours picking my brain. I've done 30 minutes plus on this story and I can do 30 hours more if I need to because I've seen people. I've actually given people $50 out of pocket because they were crying because they couldn't feed their kids. I've done that and I've I've made my peace of that because – and I probably would have got fired from Bank of America for doing that too. Screw them. I'm going to do it every day of the week. Um, so many people hurt and I don't want to have it anymore. So if Wire Bank sucks, can collaborate with anyone, I want this to change. And if it takes new leadership – then it so be it or whatever but you know what the banking thing needs to be done asap because there's more and more people that i deal with on twitter that are just going through it period what a bummer of a topic guys and i'm sure there's going to be more to talk about but after this brief promotional consideration i'm going to do a quick hit on about one of my favorite things from bank of america of course going away in two weeks so please 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 stick around all right we're back so Bank of America sent an email out to a lot of people who hold credit cards with them. And it was something that bummed me out. And it's something that bummed so many people out on Twitter that I wanted to touch um, base on it. So Bank of America has something called ShopSafe. And if you've never heard of ShopSafe, well, you know, join the club of millions of people who didn't know about it till today. But ShopSafe was actually probably the best feature that Bank of America ever had on a credit card. Who gives a crap about the cash rewards, 0% interest a year? Those are all gimmicks. ShopSafe was something that protected you, the consumer. So ShopSafe was a virtual credit card number generator. So you would open up your credit card account on Bank of America's online banking. You would click this little pop-up. You would type in your security code on your card just to verify that it's you. 
And you can create a $1 credit card limit for one month. And a lot of people are going, well, why do you want to do that? Why do you want a $1 credit card for one month? It's all about knowing your money. It's all about making sure you don't get stuck signing up for something you didn't want. So let's say that you have a free trial for satellite radio and it's $1 for three months. You give them that virtual card, $1 for that same amount of time. That way if they try to charge you $99 after three months because you forgot, it would get declined. It was actually a way of saving you money. And that's one way for us coupon clippers who were trying to save a buck here or there. But the main thing was security. So whenever you would go on you know, Macy's.com, and I'm not saying Macy's is known for fraud, but you go on Macy's.com and you have to enter your credit card information in, you don't want to create an account and save your credit card information just in case you get compromised. So what you do with ShopSafe is you would generate a number, generates a new 16-digit number, and you would create the limit for that exact amount that you were buying on Macy's. That way, even if someone stole your credit card number, they couldn't use it again because you, quote, maxed out that number. It was an amazing tool. It's something that I used a lot. Um, a couple months after I got fired from Bank of America last year, I actually used um, that particular service 25 times in two days because I had purchased $1 Google Home Minis that I used to give away for this particular podcast, for my project, for everything that I was doing. So it was really cool to be able to do that for $1 to get those devices because I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been able to use my credit card 25 times to buy 25 different ones because they had a way of tracking that. So I used it a lot because of the cool features of having a different card number to not necessarily have your information all blasted out there in the world. So there's there's a small group of people that used it that knew where to find it. It was buried deep within the forest that is Bank of America's online banking. You could only get to it on the desktop online banking, not on mobile. So you would load it up and you would use it and it protected you. For the people who cared about their security, they loved it, they couldn't get enough of it because it was something that was the gift they kept on giving, especially if you had a credit card with a good limit and you wanted to protect that. Of course, since it's so successful and so amazing and so many people just fawned on it and they literally called, there was an article that was um, shared with me um, from Reddit that said that this is Bank of America's only redeeming quality is having this shop safe program. And I just laughed because it was eight years ago. So it's been eight years of just smack talking about Bank of America, except for this one product that I've never talked about before until recently. Um, and now it's going away as of September 20th. So we all got this email and it says, and, and of course, anytime that there's changes or anytime something bad happens, they almost sound like they're doing you a favor by getting rid of it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read this letter in my most excited voice. So so here goes. We're committed to providing you the most up-to-date security. As new technology has become available, we have made the decision to retire our online shop safe service on September 20th. You may need to update credit card information stored with online merchants. So let me just stop right there. So they're saying we're committed to providing you the most up-to-date security by taking away the one thing that's the most secure, where it, it actually allows you to not have to share your credit card number. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. And it's amazing that it's so fast. They didn't give like a 90-day grace period. It's ending in two weeks. And one of the reasons it's um, going offline is because Flash is used on 
um, shop safe and sh um, flash is not going to exist in its for in the same form next year if you're a big software geek and all that you already know all that stuff so i'm not telling you anything but basically to the layman the pop-up that's used to generate the card numbers the software that's used to make that will not exist in its current form next year and bank of america to be quite honest with you is too cheap to invest in new technology period end of story it's back to my excited voice what's changing once again, we remain committed, and they said that they've committed, and they've remained committed twice to start paragraphs. Any writer will tell you that's horrible. You can't start the same paragraph with the words, hey, we committed, we remain committed. Um, that's lazy. I, I know this because I've written seven books, and I never like to start two consecutive paragraphs with the word I. It's just my it's just my pet peeve, and they said we committed and we remain committed. I mean, stop blowing smoke up or you know what, Bank of America. We remain committed to providing the highest level of security when you transact online with your Bank of America credit or debit card, and we're always looking for ways for, looking for ways to improve your digital banking experience. I mean, who doesn't want to improve day-to-day? -day? Whatever. On September 20th, we are discontinuing our online ShopSafe service. After this date, you'll no longer be able to use this service to create new ShopSafe virtual credit card numbers or make purchases online with saved ShopSafe credit card numbers. So getting rid of the ones that you've actually generated you know, months before, how crazy is that? Why the change? Technology has come a long way since we launched ShopSafe. Well, yeah, because your software is stuck like 10 years ago. We believe the wide range of security alerts and best-in-class fraud tools we use today, combined with the availability of digital wallets, provide our customers with an enhanced level of protection and a better user experience. That's all one sentence, by the way. Um, technology has come a long way, and they haven't adapted to, to technology. And I've said this before with um, deposits at the ATMs, with the old computers in the banks that were running Windows XP up until a couple of years ago, um, they are way far behind. And it's actually because they are cheapskates. I will say that. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's what I believe. And what they say about the wide range of security alerts and best-in-class fraud tools that they use today, well, how, how are those best-in-class fraud tools and wide range of alerts happening whenever someone has their online banking broken into and Zelle is used to steal all their money? How, how's that working out for you, Bank of America? Oh, yeah, you own Zelle. I didn't want to make this podcast about Zelle, but you know what? Their best-in-class fraud tools suck. You know why? Because disputes happen and customers get declined on the fraud claims because the bank will say, no, it was you. It was you. Yeah, you you, you did the transaction. Yeah, their technology and security alerts are top notch. So that's why they want to get rid of actually the one thing that was beneficial. If I had, if I had a podcast that was called Why Your Bank is Amazing, ShopSafe would have literally probably made it on uh, about Bank of America. That's how positive I was about ShopSafe. It was something I, I have used since 2006. I've had my credit card since 2004. I have used ShopSafe for almost 14 years, guys. It was something that I loved and something that I've used as of five months ago, and I really enjoy it. And now it's gone. So more fake voice. What do I need to do? Consider using a digital wallet. <laughs> it's it's funny how that's like their only remedy. Um, Bank of America supports a number of digital wallets that enable enable you to securely shop online without without having to share your credit card account number with merchants. So we had someone um talk to B of A Help on Twitter today, and they were just giving out these talking points that were on this document about ShopSafe going away, and they're saying well. How is this? How is a digital wallet going to help me purchase online? And then they use the same thing. Digital wallets will enable you to securely shop online. 
And then the person said, well, I can't generate a new account number. And then B of A help tweeted, digital wallets enable you to securely shop online. And the guy was just pissed. He was like, I can't make a number though. Stop saying the same freaking thing. You're not answering my question. And it's true. They just gave B of A help these talking points and just said, hey, just talk about security, 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 you know. And that's really the only thing that they're preaching. But it's not. Digital wallets get hacked too. Phones get spoofed, guys. That's how Zell fraud happens. That's how that's how online banking fraud happens because phones get spoofed and your digital wallet is in the wallet of someone else. You know, these things aren't secure. I'm not a technophobe, okay? I'm not afraid of technology. I love technology. Technology is my career. I'm on my phone on Twitter all the freaking time, okay? So I love it. So I'm 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 not against change. But it's not more secure. There's going to be flaws for everything. Yes, I understand that. And I'm not trying to be a negative Nelly here. But you know what? There's there's flaws for everything. But you know what? The one thing that was tried and true that is literally fraud proof was shop safe virtual numbers. And there's a couple of reasons why they're going away. Okay, so number one, the reason why it's going away is because it costs Bank of America money every time you generate a new card number because they have to pay Visa or MasterCard or whatever, uh, uh, the one-time fee to generate that number. So if you literally create a, a shop safe number with a $1 credit limit, Bank of America is likely taking a loss just creating that number for you. So they're like, screw that. You know, We made $28.1 billion last year and we want to make $28 billion $1 next year. Like literally, it's probably a dollar or two that it costs for them to do that. So it is a courtesy that the bank did, but it's something that in the long run should prevent fraud, thus saving them money. So I don't know what the hell they're thinking about, uh, you know, when it comes to that. And and secondarily, you know, it's digital wallets aren't necessarily all encompassing for all the things that you want to do. Whenever they say consider using a digital wallet, and Bank of America supports a number of digital wallets that enable you to securely shop online what the hell are they talking about they're talking about paypal they're talking about apple pay google pay samsung pay and the reason why they're talking about those things is because then they can shift the blame and the liability to them so whenever bank of america has a fraud case for you and something happens to you they're gonna say well well you use google pay i I would reach out to those google pay people and see what the heck happened because, you know, Bank of America is committed. We remain committed to be committed, to be more committed, to make you secure. So go ahead and talk to Google Pay. And then you talk to Google Pay and they say, well, you know, you got to talk to your bank because this happened through their channels and this whatever. And then it just becomes this thing where you don't get your money. Don't, don't you think they're going to do that? Especially with PayPal. Okay, so they don't mention Zelle as part of that because, of course, Zelle is in a, a wallet, so to speak. But PayPal is their competition. So basically, they're telling you to go to their competition on the off chance that something insecure happens, that they're going to say, hey, well, you went to PayPal, and you know what? Bank of America has security on the debit card, so I don't know why you didn't use that. That gives them another reason to decline your claim and decline fraud. So whenever they say use a digital wallet, they're just saying, you know, go ask your mom. <laughs> you know, if you, if you come from a two-parent household, you know that. You know, you have a mom and dad, and then, you know, one person doesn't want to, to say yes to you. Hey, mom, can I go to the amusement park? You know, go ask your dad. They're like... I don't want to be a part of this decision because it's going to it's gonna have effects for me. So go ask him, and if he wants to do it, then he can. That's his right. That's basically what the digital wallet um, referral is by Bank of America for ShopSafe. It's not going to give you a virtual number, and it's not necessarily secure. You know how many PayPal hacks I've seen in my day? Um, how many Google Pay spoofs and Apple Pay spoofs that I've seen in the last three years, including the two years that I worked at Bank of America prior to this? 
It happens a lot. So Bank of America is basically telling you, consider using a wallet, but they don't say that it's more secure. It says enables you to securely shop online. It doesn't talk about security after you're done shopping online. So that's the thing I'm worried about with it. So so many people, mostly they're kind of geeky people, not to stereotype, but the ones that I saw on Twitter were people who are kind of nerds like me, and there's nothing bad about that, but they were the ones that use ShopSafe a lot for their various subscriptions, various things that they do, and they're really upset with it. But you know what? Bank of America is, they remain committed to be committed to get rid of products that actually work for people. You know, they had the thing where you can send money to Mexico and other countries free of charge that went away. And the reason why it went away was not because it was an inherent cost. They're like, yeah, small group of people use that. Small group of people love that. You know, what's a small group of people at Bank of America? They always, you know, kiss everyone's ass and says that, hey, 8 million people use Zelle whenever there's 66 million people at Bank of America and 58 million of them don't use Zelle. So how's that a success? That's a small group of people too. So ShopSafe is going away and it's something that if you listen to my podcast and you talk, you know, you hear me talking bad about my former company, Bank of America and banks in general, was something that they did right. Something that they did right, and um, Citibank has it, um, Discover had it, and then it went away. Capital One, I'm told, still has it. I need to double-check on that. But having a virtual card number is the ultimate security. You know, I remember there was a time 20 years ago that we talked about disposable cell phones, and we kind of have burner phones now. But, you know, the thought 20 years ago was, hey, you're going to have this little cardboard phone, and it's going to have 60 prepaid minutes, and whenever it's done, you're going to just be able to throw it in the trash. Well... To not be a wasteful American, I'm glad that that never, you know, went, you know, went through. But, you know, what? there's there's so many good things that the bank can do. And there's so many things. If they would have nurtured, if they would push that as a main product for Bank of America's credit cards, I guarantee we would have had record credit card sales. I know it. I believe it in my heart of hearts that if ShopSafe was advertised as, hey, this is the coolest thing that Bank of America credit cards provide, I would have probably got triple my credit card numbers whenever I was working there at the bank because you're basically telling them, we care about your security and we're going to show you how to make yourself so secure. But Bank of America remains committed to be committed to get rid of the things that you love. So whether it's ShopSafe, a product that maybe a small sliver of people knew about and loved, goes away because Bank of America says not enough people use it and technology is changing and they remain committed to that. Whether it's Bank of America telling you to go to their competition, that way they have another person to blame whenever fraud happens to you. Or to the main topic, whether it's Bank of America asking you a question, are you a dual citizen? Knowing that no matter what side of the debate, what side of the aisle that you're on, that that question is going to impact you. One, by either not understanding or answering it, or one, by being offended that the question was asked, leading to both people leaving the bank because the bank does not want those lower to middle class people anymore standing around clogging, as my old manager would say, the line in the banking center. My friend, those are a lot of reasons why your bank sucks. My name is James Baca, and after this brief promotional consideration, I will be back to wrap it up, so please stick around. All right, we are back. Patreon.com slash sucks. Sign up, donate at least a dollar today. We've had a pretty good run. We added a couple of patrons during the whole uh, Hispanic Caucus tweet, uh, thing this past week, so thank you so much for that. Welcome to the fold with us. Guys, if you love what I'm doing, donate a dollar. 
Donate $2, donate $5, one-time $10 donation. Donate anything. I do not want to stop doing this project in the level that it needs to be done because I really think that, one, I can make a decent living helping people. I could legitimately help people for a living, and it's good work. And I'm asking you to contribute um, until I get major sponsorship, which I'm working on. I'm emailing people. I'm calling. I'm trying to get that done. So I'm going to be blunt with you. This needs to work in the next 45 days. Otherwise, I'm going to have to scale operations back because I will be out of money at that point in time. Now, let's not have that happen, guys. Um, thank you so much for listening. A couple of books coming out. And there's a couple that I've just percolated that I want to finish. That way I have them all out. That way you can spend a few bucks with me. You can read for a couple of days and learn about all the things that I've learned. And I have more to come, guys. And with Twitter, at BankScrewedUs, at JamesBIsRight, there's so much more to talk about. So please take a look at those. Please interact with us. Ask questions. I have a guy who's asking me questions about check cashing fees. Just general questions. It's not even about why your bank sucks. It's just more about general banking questions. And I think that's so cool. I'm a resource to where people don't have to wait three hours on Twitter to get a response from uh, basically a robot that's told basically not to answer the question as directly as possible and that way they can probe that way they could upsell that way they can see more about this customer that they're talking to that's the reality of things guys i'm here i'm one person but i'm working my butt off 100 hours a week to make sure that you're getting the service that you need and fighting for you whenever you don't get the service that you deserve so please contribute a dollar at least subscribe to the podcast click on all the podcasts i get a couple of pennies every time that you guys just click on the podcast Leave a five-star review. Let people know that what we're doing is good work here. That way I can get sponsors. That way I can have time, energy, money to be able to provide vigilante customer service and decent help, courteous help to the people who listen to this podcast and people who follow me on Twitter. It's been a fun ride. And you know what? We're almost at 1,250 people where a month ago we were barely cracking 1,000. And you know what? 2,000 is going to come by really really quick and then three thousand and more we have something going here we just need a little more time so tell your friends say you know what add this guy and if you ever have a question about banking just dm him put him on mute because he tweets a lot but he tweets a lot because he wants to get the word out there and i'm fine with that i just want you in the fold because i believe what we're doing is amazing work and i believe what we're doing is going to change i do know it's changing because I've helped so many people get money back without actually helping them with vigilante customer service. They just follow me on Twitter and they tag me on their Bank of America tweets and all of a sudden it just seems like Bank of America is helping them. So I know that I'm known and I'm, I know that I'm being watched. I know I'm being scrutinized and I say bring it on. Bank of America do better. Wells Fargo, other banks do better because I'm here. I'm I'm here to help the customers, the clients that you left behind, the people that you literally screw over. The name of my podcast is indicative of the way that they feel, you know. It sucks to be a member of a big bank that doesn't care about you. And it sucks to look on Twitter and see that there's a thousand people that have the same problem as you on there. Because it's one, it's like, man, they're never gonna get to me, and two, it looks like they're doing it to everyone. So once again, guys who listen, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I have another one in the can that I'm going to um, post. I'm going to post this on a Friday, so I'm hopefully going to post the other one Monday night. Give a few days for this one to percolate and get out there because I really think that this is going to be the bigger one when it comes to making a difference in this crazy world that we have. So thank you so much again for listening to this podcast. I'll be back really soon. Talk to you on Twitter. And until then, my friends, my name is James Baca, and I just told you why your bank sucks. Guys, have a great weekend. We'll see you soon.
拜。